Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I'm one of the pastors at the Church at Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. If I told you that we were going to be studying through the book of Revelation, what would be your response? I bet if you're honest, you would be at least a little bit nervous and you might be filled with a little bit of angst and consternation. It's because we recognize that Revelation is a bit of a tricky book, a unique book in the New Testament. So what are some strategies for seeing and understanding the book of Revelation? Well, that's exactly what Aaron Markham, Bryce Harrison, and I talk about in this episode today. Seven strategies taken from Dennis Johnson's book, Triumph of the Lamb, on seeing and understanding Revelation. I hope that this is an encouragement to you, and I hope that it encourages you to read and engage with this particular book. Aaron and Bryce, hello. How are you guys this evening? Good. Yeah, doing really well. This is this is back to back appearances for you. Back to back. Really excited to be here. Yeah. Wow. It's celebrity, big time. celebrity status. Seriously. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm gonna ask you guys a couple of questions. To get started. Question number one first. Now, since we're talking about reading the Book of Revelation, kind of considering the theme of reading, what are you currently reading? Or maybe maybe a better question is, what was the most recent book that you read? Hmm. I am currently reading The Two Towers for the umpteenth time, and it's better pretty much every time. That's the second book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy for the uh, uninitiated. What about you, Aaron? Uh, I'm reading, or I guess I just read, uh, You Can Change. I'm pretty sure that was the title by Tim Chester. We're going to go through it with uh, some community group leaders. So looking forward to, to thinking about how we can change, how we can grow, um, grow in our love for Christ, become more Christ-like. So just finish that. Just starting uh, Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus by Nimbil Qureshi as well. Yeah, so, nice. Been wanting nice. to read that for a while. So, Bryce, I was totally trying to set you up to talk about the the British Harry children's book. You said you just oh, read a colon. Yes, that is the most recent edition of the Harrison household <laughs> is Harry the Highland Cow, which... It's a classic piece of literature. Hmm. Sounds like it. It's let us graduate past brown bear, brown bear. What do you see? Mm. We got to where we would, we would read brown bear so much that I would do a beat in the background. Mm. And Emily would kind of like, brown bear, brown bear, what do you see? I've mm. actually given all of the animals in brown bear, brown bear distinct personalities. So they all have different voices and the goldfish is really really nervous so he says like um a thousand times before he answers i would expect nothing less than you um in in that interpretation of brown bear that's great i'm actually reading uh fellowship right now and it's it's for the same time it's beautiful wonderful um so why do you guys love the book of revelation how would you answer that question why do you love revelation Hmm. i think um i think for me i think maybe more so than than just about any other part of scripture. Um, Revela- when you read Revelation, you you can't help but feel you can't help but feel something along with it. Um, just the language, the imagery that's that's laced all throughout the book of Revelation um, doesn't just communicate a story, doesn't just communicate theology, like it does both of those things throughout, but it also communicates emotion. Um, and you can't you can't really help but read it and not be stirred, whether that's 
being joyful, whether that's being sad, whether that's being terrified, whether that's being hopeful, or um, whether it makes you want to just jump out of your seat and go to war, like whatever that emotion is, like Mm. the emotion just kind of bleeds through the language. For sure. I was thinking uh, just about how Revelation gives us such a picture of Jesus and his glory. So thinking about kind of the Gospels summarizing Jesus's life, we get to kind of the culmination with his death. I feel like the epistles, a lot of it is about how we are saved by grace through faith, uh, through through Christ's death. But then, really, I feel like Revelation kind of kind of turns it on on its head, and we get a different picture of really who Jesus is. If kind of the New Testament is answering the question, "Who is Jesus?" Gospels give us kind of an answer, epistles give us an answer, and then Revelation kind of maybe seems to adjust that and, and grow that and uh, maybe more fully um, give it a picture. I was thinking uh, earlier about uh, the line, the witch in the wardrobe, where I'm just going to read it, um, where it's the beaver says, uh, he's talking to, to Susan, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. And Susan just says, oh, I thought he would be a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And then the beaver says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And I feel like Revelation gives us that picture of Jesus hmm. not being safe. Hmm. Like he's not just the meek mm-hmm. guy given nice morals. Um, he's not just the one who saved us from our sins, but he's also the lion that will that will reign for eternity. Which is really cool because it almost makes the the Christ imagery come full circle in the narrative mm-hmm. of Scripture because mm-hmm. that's that's what we saw the Messiah was going to be in the yeah. Old Testament. Exactly, starting um, in Genesis. And, and so kind of the almost the hanging question in the Gospels is, like, who is this guy? He's not mm-hmm. exactly what we expected, um, and he isn't. Mm-hmm. Like he, he kind of that's blows true. the paradigm out of the water in so many ways. But then Revelation's almost that reminder of like all those things you were looking for Jesus mm-hmm. to be, the, the king that came in and kicks butt and takes names. Like he still is all of those things, and, and to an even greater degree than you imagined then. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Um, you know, That's really good. In Dennis Johnson's commentary, uh, Triumph of the Lamb, he gives seven strategies for seeing throughout the book of Revelation um, and acknowledging that Revelation is a bit of a tricky book and that requires a little bit of, but because of its kind of um, unique voice in the New Testament canon, it does require a little bit something different of us and Revelation is a little bit trickier. Um, and so Dennis Johnson really helpfully outlines these seven strategies for seeing that we're going to get to in just a second. But before we get there, um, in you guys' mind, what makes Revelation tricky? What's so tough about Revelation? Well, so it's it's a different genre of literature than what we see in almost all of the rest of Scripture. And so with any genre of literature, you have to read it with that in mind. You can't read the poetry of the Psalms in the same way that you read the genealogies of numbers. Like, you, it just won't make sense um, because we recognize one is poetry, one is a census. Uh, we read history is different than we read letters. We we read all those things differently. I've heard the analogy of recipes different than a letter. That yeah, you re- mm-hmm. a yeah. recipe your grandma writes is different than a letter your grandma writes. Exactly. Um, so so that's one thing. It's just that it's a different um, it's a different genre of literature. So it makes us read through different eyes. But I think for us particularly, that genre becomes even more challenging because the apocalyptic genre is so full of figurative imagery. And we, as a 
21st century Western audience are, you know, 17 more steps removed from mm-hmm. from the original audience that not only do is it figurative, but it's also using some metaphors and analogies that don't even yeah. click for us because mm-hmm. we don't we just don't have the same like common terms and same mindset to work with. I remember I was, I was preaching in Sweden, and at one point during the sermon, I used some kind of colloquialism. I was preaching through a translator, mm-hmm. and I used some kind of colloquialism, some some kind of figure of speech, and uh, the translator just stopped, and the whole room just kind of stopped, and the, the translator looked at me like, I have no idea what to do with that. You're going to have to rephrase that mm-hmm. for me, um, because the language barrier, that there's certain idioms and images and things that have a cachet for one culture that don't necessarily for another culture, and that's kind of what you're saying there, right? Mm-hmm. What about you, Aaron? Anything you'd add to that? I think um, totally agree with that. Even totally agree with the the language aspect. Having been in uh, been in Kenya and always having to be translated, having to having to be very careful with the language to be sure it would go across cultures. And obviously, we're dealing with images and symbols that are maybe more of a challenge for our culture. To add to what Bryce said, I think the only the only thing I would add would just be also thinking about how for I guess the rest of the Bible, almost all 65 other books are focused for us more on the past or what has occurred in the moment. And I feel like this book is kind of a forward looking future book. So it also requires, it's almost like we can't even get our minds around it because it's what is to come where I have some idea when, you know, Paul talks about being sick or having friendships or having relationships like i got some context for Mm. what that looks like Mm -hmm. in just normal everyday life but the but the future aspect it's it's pretty much impossible to picture yeah um, that's really good yeah it's yeah it's a book that um uh operates in the realm of the imagination Mm -hmm. in a way that's kind of unique uh yeah so let's go ahead and start talking through these seven strategies for seeing so johnson first the, the first strategy is this that revelation is given to reveal all right what would you guys say to that I think um, I think that's really helpful, just because we we kind of acknowledge at the outset that revelation is not meant to be confusing. Like revelation is still communication, and the definition of communication is one party intending to translate information and knowledge and uh, some message to the other party for them to be able to understand it and receive it and do something with it. And that's still true of revelation. Like it's mm. meant to be understood. It is meant to reveal something. It's not meant to obscure. It's primarily meant to reveal and bring understanding. Um, but I think the thing that I would add to that is that a central theme of the book of Revelation is still um, revealing and yet yet hidden at the same time, both revealed and hidden, kind of that idea of veiled glory. There's something there's something that's coming, there's something that's being revealed, but it's not yet revealed. It's still somewhat shrouded in mystery. Um, and those two things have to be held in tension with one another. We have to be okay with that which is hidden and that which is revealed and not relegate everything that's revealed to, well, the whole book's just confusing. We don't, we don't really know what's, what's yeah. coming. Um, but at the same time, we can't take everything that's meant to still be shrouded in mystery and say, well, revelation is meant to reveal. Therefore, if we sit down, crunch the numbers long enough, mm-hmm. eventually we're going to have a pretty clear cut picture of, of all of the details and precision that this is giving us. That's good. Anything get out there? Yeah, I think just just the the idea of revelation being revealing is is we get kind of even what we said earlier that that clearer picture of of who Jesus is and Bryce summarized it well earlier that 
that maybe the most, when we were talking, the most clear um, message is that, that God gets the victory. And so mm-hmm. maybe that's that's clouded in, in imagery and, and different ideas and, and different pictures. But if we if we want to kind of go right at the beginning where where Jesus is just being praised and lifted up and really shown his glory and then all things are going to be made new when Christ returns, that seems to be revealed very clearly hmm. even in the midst of maybe more mystery uh, yeah. as Bryce as Bryce mentioned. Yeah, that's that's really good. Uh, the, so the first thing is revelation is given to reveal and the title is revelation, mm-hmm. Re- revelation, right? Um the second strategy for seeing is that Revelation is a book to be seen, and it's a book of symbols in motion. A book of symbols in motion. Okay, so what do we what do we have to say to that? What what does he mean, and and how would we maybe nuance that? Yeah, so, um, so I mean, Revelation is a vision that was given to John while he, while he's on the island of Patmos, um, and and so everything that happens in the book of Revelation, um, it's almost it's almost paradoxical in the sense that you have it'll frequently say in, in revelation um john looked and he heard or some you know yeah. things that we don't necessarily think would go together you don't look and hear you, look you don't and see a voice see. yeah like someone uh, it says he looked and he saw and behold a voice said you know said this that's that's not what we would expect to be paired um, and I think that just kind of tells us that we're we're almost at the threshold of human language here. Like God, John is his seeing and he's hearing and he's and he's feeling kind of all at the same time. Um, and so, in order to convey that message, he's not just saying um, here's kind of the chain of events that happened, um, but he's giving us images images that are are meant to convey something visually um, or sounds that are meant to convey something audibly and then all of those kind of come together to form a picture that we're supposed to then take something take a feeling away from mm-hmm. um, and so the the interplay between all of those is really interesting and I think just as a helpful um, a helpful tool when when reading revelation is to look for those instances look mm-hmm. for an instance where it's a word that you wouldn't quite expect um, and and usually something pretty significant is going on like there, for instance, Revel- one of my favorite, probably my favorite chapter in Revelation is Revelation five, when it says that, like John looks and sees a lamb who's standing as if it's been slain, and when you when you see images like that, I mean, it's a Revelation is a picture of a book of moving images. You think, wait, the lamb's standing as if it's been killed. How do things stand as if they've been killed? Normally, if it's been killed, it's on the ground, not standing, and stuff like that. It's like that's the key to alert you to this is Jesus, the one who was killed, who was slain, and yet stands. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Yeah, I would just encourage using even to his to Bryce's point. There's there's images, and so I think using even your imagination, just trying to to dream up what this what this could look like. Sort of allow yourself to get caught up in the story that's being told or the the picture that's being painted. You know, another thing that's really helpful to think about in reading Revelation is that it's a it's um it's a peek beneath the hood as to the true reality of things. Or maybe another way to think about it is like if you could put on some X-ray goggles and kind of s- see through what's right in front of us to a deeper or different reality. You know, think about Revelation twelve, which is describing Christ's birth, and it's being described as a woman giving birth and a dragon, you know, they're waiting to consume the child. And it's a it's a way to talk about the things that were happening in the incarnation, though you, you can't see it. You know, if you're present there at the uh, uh, 
the birth of baby Jesus in Bethlehem. But that that is a way to kind of describe the the reality of things, the spiritual reality of things surrounding the birth of Christ. Uh, so it's a book of symbols and motion. It's a book of, it, it's it's us seeing through kind of what's directly in front of us to deeper realities using symbolic language to get there. Uh, the third thing is that Revelation makes sense only in light of the Old Testament. Speak to that. Yeah, I think we, even just in Revelation 1, uh, what was the verse? Verse 13 where that you highlighted last last week that just even the Son of Man language is going to immediately point us to Daniel 7. Yep. Um, it's going to point us uh, throughout the throughout the Gospels as well. Um, there's going to be pointing back to different different aspects of Ezekiel and so I think there's I think there's a lot of validity to it. I think if you don't, I think it's also okay to not know all of those things mm-hmm. because I think I don't know all of those things. Mm-hmm. But um, by God's grace, in our uh, Western affluent society where we have books and mm. the internet and different things, we can we can try to find some helpful resources to to help us really get that picture uh, correct. Yeah, I think about even the scripture. Um uh, the letter to the church at Ephesus made reference to the tree of life and the paradise of God, which is a clear Genesis 1, 2, 3 reference. Yeah, I mean, I think it also relies, like, requires a the basis of the Old Testament in the same way that all of the narrative mm-hmm. redem- of redemption requires the a presupposition of the Old Testament. The, old te- there was, the hanging question of the Old Testament is, where is the king who's going to restore Israel? Where is the Where is the man who is going to lift humanity out of the depths of the fall where is he is god still faithful or has god forgotten his people mm. um and revelation is the resounding answer to that question mm. as the answer to that that god is still king over his people um that evil won't have the last say um and that that god still is and as it is and was and will forever be everything that he was in genesis 1 when he created the world by the word of his mouth um, and Re- Revelation's kind of the the answer to the question that's begged all throughout the Old Testament that's good uh, and like you said goes full circle sort of com- completes what we saw at the beginning um, the the fourth strategy for seeing is that numbers count in Revelation so you, you read Revelation just in the first chapter seven is repeated multiple times just in the first chapter ten is repeated all throughout the book uh, you have the 144,000 know, other numbers are all throughout the book what do you guys have to say to that? I mean, like, I would just be careful not to make that point more than what that point is, like, more than what he's actually saying in that point. So when he says numbers yep. count, what he doesn't mean is, oh, well, you know, add up the letters in this name divided by the mm-hmm. square root mm-hmm. of how many cities were surrounded and what the, you know, square cubic inches of the thickness of new jerusalem's walls were and Mm. you find out that jesus is coming back on september 14th Mm. 2035 like that's not the way that numbers work in the book of revelation that's good it it just means that they have some type of metaphorical significance Mm. so yeah we have to do some work to to understand yeah what is what does seven mean does that does that represent something and then we can we can work hard to to see that it is completeness it is kind of Mm. full picture and so when when we see seven lampstands we get the kind of the full aspect of of the church and mm. um so again we we can we can seek out resources to try to help us understand seven ten hundred forty four thousand a uh, thousand is used a few times so so working hard to to try to understand that. for the four elders 
which are which are usually connected to themes that have run through all of scripture especially mm-hmm. the old testament things like seven days of creation 12 tribes of israel mm-hmm. um like those are the those are kind of the numbers that have have always meant something mm-hmm. um because they're they're specifically reminiscent of certain events isn't the 144,000 how many times is 12 going to 144,000 is that 12 cubed no is that the idea? uh Come on, math major. 12,000. Yeah, because 12 times 12 is 144. 44. So it's like so 12 times 12, 12, and then a whole bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you, you kind of get what's being said there is like the complete people yeah. of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the fifth idea, we're running short on time here. Uh, to the listener, I apologize. Well, it was very um, uh, ambitious of us to think we could, we could do this in 20 minutes, but alas, here we are. Um, the, the fifth strategy for seeing is that revelation is for a church under attack. Why is it really, really important to point that out? I think because Revelation is not is primarily not meant to scare you. Revelation is primarily not meant to confuse you. Most of all, Revelation is meant to give you backbone when you mm. are mm. suffering persecution. Mm. Revelation is meant to bolster your spirits and your courage and let you follow Jesus really well mm. with grit and grind in in whatever is going on because that's mm. that's what was going on in the churches it was given to and it was supposed to spur them on and 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 kind of bolster them for mm. just the everyday grind of following jesus mm. the jesus who is victorious over the beast the beast of the land the beast of the sea the harlot of babylon the victorious over the dragon mm. um, the one who is secured rescued by the blood of the lamb that's good what were you about to say here uh, I was just going to say that just acknowledging that that the spiritual battle also exists. This is it's definitely can be a physical um, persecution, but it's also very much a a spiritual battle that is against our hearts, against our souls, um, and really is waged throughout Revelation. Hmm. But I mean, just like on a personal st- from a personal standpoint, like there are a few passages in Scripture that I think inspire me, encourage me, and strengthen me in the same way that uh, the passage in Revelation when it's talking about the saints and says they loved not their lives even unto death. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, like they're, they're washed in the blood of Jesus and they are, and they are standing at the throne with the one who sits b- before the throne because they love not their lives even unto death. And that makes me, I mean, that fills me with, with passion and, and fervor to follow mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. whatever it takes. That's good. Uh, the sixth strategy for seeing is that Revelation concerns what must soon take place. Now, we've sort of hit on this already, that Revelation is sort of unique among the New Testament, in that it's um, uh, the bulk of the letter is forward-facing. But what else might we say to this sixth strategy for seeing, that it concerns what must soon take place? Well, I think it's it's hard to tell, like, there's different approaches on this, but it's not necessarily exclusively forward-facing for us. Um, some of it is, no mm-hmm. doubt, like because Jesus is not currently enthroned mm-hmm. on the earth. Um, so some of it is is most definitely forward facing for us. Um, but some of it has taken place because mm-hmm. some of it has already played out in the lives of the churches at Ephesus and mm-hmm. Smyrna mm-hmm. and Pergamum and the like. Um, and some of it is is simply uh, emblematic of what will play out between the struggle between God's people in the church and the forces of of the world from the time when Jesus, comes the first time when to the time Jesus comes back. Um, and so some of that we're living right in the middle of. So that's just tough for us because like some of it's some of it's looking back for us, some of it's going on right now and some of it 
we're looking forward to and we don't want to be too quick to pigeonhole every Mm -hmm. single event specifically into one of those three boxes Mm -hmm. even just um in thinking about the future aspect the what is soon to come i just found myself the other day just hearing about just some hardships and some toils and um in in certain lives and just found myself praying come lord jesus Mm. um because I know he'll be the one that will make all things new mm. uh, at the end of Revelation. So it does have me praying that, that the Lord would come. Mm. And I love the in the description here that Johnson says, is that Revelation is not about things remote from the struggle of these churches, and not about things remote from us either. I mean, these are this is dealing in realities that are relevant to us, and as you said, that Jesus himself will bring resolution to. Uh, the seventh strategy for seeing is that the victory belongs to God and to Christ. Yeah, so I think, and I think Aaron touched on this earlier, but that that is the central message of Revelation is that God wins. Um, and that means something for us. That means something for us right now, today. And it means something vastly more than um, kind of knowing, hey, God wins at the end of the story, so come at me haters because you know you're gonna find out one day that's not really the purpose of the of of god wins christ is victorious in the end um it's actually like like we talked about meant to to encourage the persecuted church who are undergoing uh hardships and suffering right then i think to, mm-hmm. i think back to all the way back to the book of job which is argued to be one of the uh, argued to be mm-hmm. the earliest mm-hmm. book ever written um, and in Job nineteen twenty five, Job in the midst of suffering more than most any of us have ever suffered and finding no counsel in anything around him says, for I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that means something right there for Job in the midst of his great suffering. And that's the message of revelation at the last, at the, at the end of days, when all is said and done, our redeemer, the lamb who stands as if slain. Um, will stand upon the earth and will stand in victory and judgment and and triumph. Mm. Yeah, that's good. That provides just so much hope for us through in the midst of of struggle or just in in life. But it also, I think, provides urgency um, because I know there's even people from uh, sitting within probably a hundred yards of the three of us that that don't know Jesus. Mm. So if Jesus comes back in any coming day. Um, they, they would be separated from from Christ for eternity. So definitely definitely prompts us to, to be urgent about the mission. That's good. It's hard to think of a better note to end on. Praise the Lord. Victory belongs to Jesus. Amen. And for those of us who conquer, to the one who conquers, we will reign with Christ um, by his grace and mercy. Thanks for listening. Hope that this has been encouraging. In the show notes, I'm going to have these uh, seven things outlined with some additional resources and links. Uh, don't be afraid of Revelation. We encourage you to read it, memorize it, let your imagination be formed by it, and may your love for Jesus be stoked by it. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.